0: Welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today, and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. To our question and answer for today, um, today we have with us Joe, uh, Joe Alderton Whitworth, uh, recently married, double-barreled her name, just like me. <laughs> it just means that people know who you are if you do that, doesn't it? Um, so, hi and welcome, Joe. Hello. Um, Jo is in her car so that everyone can see that so that because she lives on a very busy farm and she didn't want to be disturbed with sheep and pigs and ponies and goodness knows what else because her place is just gorgeous full of wonderful wildlife and her car is the only place where none of them can in fact reside isn't it Jo? Well not
1: entirely I have got the dog in the car.
0: Oh okay. (laughs) So you couldn't fully get away oh with it. You have actually <laughs> got the dog. I love that that's brilliant. So if we hear any strange noises it's it's hopefully it's yes, the dog, dog then. It's the yes, dog. <laughs> cool. So Joe I know you um I've I've known you for now about five years I think about five years ago you invited me to your amazing place in Hereford to do a a rider psychology workshop and then we've we've stayed in touch and and done things ever since which has been fantastic and I've just loved seeing you develop on your journey and the things you've been doing so um, tell us more about your um, your business Ride to Achieve because I think it's got the most amazing amazing ethos so tell us about what makes it special Okay, so
1: about, well, 2013, we decided that within uh, RDA and para, really, there wasn't that much kind of um, opportunity to have individual one-to-one sessions where you could still have support, you could still be led, or you could ride independently, you didn't have to be a Paralympian, it was just for people that wanted that kind of personal touch without having lots of other people around. Um, And we had probably five or six riders that used to ride as a group come to us and ask us to facilitate that. So in 2013, um, we set up as an RDA group with three amazing parents as our trustees, whose children all rode with us. Um, And with their help, that's how it kind of happened. And it was on the end of my friend's livery yard. We um, we set up initially and um, we had three horses, which were... Two of them were ours and one was a friend who I actually worked for as well as a care worker and that was kind of where it starts so with the drive of of these amazing parents they gave a kind of kick up to go okay let's do this we didn't really expect it to be a massive thing that was never the intention it was a chance for me and my mum to do something where we could still have family as kind of the main priority but getting to Keep our horses and earn some money off them as well because we all know how expensive they are. Um, and it grew like really quickly. Um, we went from our kind of like five riders up to possibly, I think we're on about 48 people ride with us now. And they don't just ride, they're not just from our local area, they travel from Southampton, Wales. Um, we have other people that come over from Ireland, like we have an amazing range of people from all over the country. Um Then in 2015, Mum had the opportunity to um, be the assistant coach for the Special Olympics in America. She went to LA as one of the coaches, um, and when she was over there, she met an amazing lady called Sarah, um, Sarah Moreland, who is also an RDA coach, and she does loads of other stuff, side-saddles a lot. Um, And when she came back, she kind of gave us a bit more confidence again in what we were doing. Um, The farm came up for lease at the same time, so when mum was in America, we were packing up the stables at the end of our friend's yard, and we moved to Redbrook with nine horses in the end, because we somehow accumulated a few extra along the way, and we didn't just do dressage, we did RDA show jumping as well, Um, at that point we didn't do any countryside challenge, which is another RDA sphere, Um, and when we came here with our nine horses, we were overwhelmed, had 65 acres suddenly instead of like two or three acres uh it was we could turn out as a herd and that was like a new thing for us again but brilliant for our horses um the whole the whole thing changed overnight really and since then all we've had is more and more opportunities that we're extremely grateful for uh in 2016 with through Sarah Moreland we met Clive Milkins just kind of in between that time and mum had always kind of known who he was, but we didn't really have much to do with him. Uh, and then he he approached us and asked us if we would look after Rio, who was, safe Christianson's 2012 horse. And um, he wanted him to come retire with us and do some RDA work because he wasn't ready to totally retire. So he came to us in 2016 and kind of from then we've had Clive and Clive has just presented me with opportunity, which I've been, sh- well, I've not been stupid and I've grasped I've it and I, I've loved it. And I've, I've learned so much. I've met amazing people, had amazing experiences. I now get to go to international shows. This year I was meant to be traveling all around the world, doing amazing stuff. My rider is long in Tokyo. It's just insane how much can change from 2015 to now. Like it's crazy. And the best thing is with all that, we still got the same ethos. The ethos is the fact that we have our, our riders, it's about what they can do, and when we when we say what they can do, it means like what they're willing to push themselves to do, it's kind of tricky to say somebody can or can't do something because of their disability, because nobody actually knows what the boundaries are with a disability, it's what the individual person, you know, feels that their boundaries are, and we've got some amazing people that you wouldn't think would be able to do hardly anything that push boundaries constantly. Like they're insanely committed and their drive is is just admirable. You know, I haven't got half the drive that these riders have got. Um, and then kind of from that point <clears throat> with the nurturing of Clive in the background, it's made us be braver to push people further. So you often get people turn up and say, I want to be a Paralympic rider, doesn't everybody kind of thing. Um, But what I now have is with the kind of support of my team, I know when I can push and when not to push, Um, which whereas before I would have always played it safe because I'm a bit of a wimp myself. I don't like watching people fall off. It upsets me quite a lot. I get PTSD as much as a person. So it's fine, probably more so. So we try and kind of avoid things like that. But I've realised my strengths through exploring these, these kind of things. And um, So, yeah, really, that's us. I mean, we live in an amazing place. We have amazing people around us. And it's still family. We don't do too much. Like, I wouldn't say we're a hardcore yard that works from, like, seven in the morning till nine o'clock at night. That isn't really us. We dip in and out, we do family stuff in between. I've got my daughter, my husband, mum and dad. My mum's partially sighted, so she's, um, she well, her sight's deteriorating each kind of year or month, whatever you want to see it as it goes anyway. And um, she gets to be here and part of what we're doing, she helps run the business or does the major of the paperwork and stuff. And I get to run the yard, which is I think the really cool way around. because I don't like paperwork. <laughs> um and then i have some amazing girls that work for us and support us so it is still all family based and people that come and ride here just become an extension of our family um and that's us really
0: wow what an amazing story doesn't that just show how much can change in five short years it's just or maybe coming up six now really isn't it but that's just incredible isn't it that yeah I mean, and this is the crazy thing, isn't it? Often when you are someone like you are now and you're in a a great place and there's amazing things happening and like the world is your oyster. um, If you thought about five years ago where you would be now, you probably would never have thought this would be the case. And that's the thing, isn't it? When we're setting goals and aspirations, isn't it? About don't limit them because just like you said earlier, um, someone's ability to do something is not your choice is it so tell us a little bit more about your thoughts around what people are able to do and how you find that out and how you help them goal set because it's a very slightly different way of the usual goal setting thing with someone isn't it
1: yeah I think normally when you're goal setting you're looking at what you want to do and what your horse is capable of doing and I think that like I said you can't really gauge that that's really tricky because like if you were to look at some of our riders, so like Kirby, who's on um, our P3 programme, uh, the P3 programme with BEF, she, if you were to look at her and ask her or ask doctors or anybody if she should be riding, she shouldn't be riding, like, like, realistically, it, it's not, even Clive said to her, you know, I, I can't, I don't know what to do with you type thing, you know, but Now he works really well with her. We all work really well with her because the difference is that Kirby's way of thinking and processing is like insane. She's very, very focused. So if she wants something, she's going to do it. And we're going to find a way of then doing it. You know, we have a lot of people that are wheelchair bound that come here. We don't have a hoist. Hoists are really tricky situations for horses. It's a really nervous place for a hoist to be, and um, for a horse to be in, being hoisted because you're flying, really, aren't you? It's a bizarre, bizarre concept for somebody flying in and then jumping on your back like a predator. Um, so when you put that into context, it's a massive ask. So everybody that comes here has no straight away. We don't have a hoist. That doesn't mean you can't come here. That doesn't mean you can't ride with us. What it does mean is you have to have always thought already thought of a way of getting on the horse, whether that's by bringing your own team of people to help get you on, whether there's any way that you know in advance they say about lowering the horse, and that's what we set up is we have a, a gully that the horse is into, and then the riders are kind of at the right height to just transfer over from wheelchair, unless it's a really tall horse that doesn't work. It's a lot, a lot different then. But as a general rule you know people already have decided before they've even got here that they can make this happen any situation so we're not some posh place we never have been we we'd like to be a bit posher one day but you know we have mud we have lots of mud in the winter there's nothing we can do about that that's just how we live um and so our riders have to deal with the fact that when they turn up there isn't a smooth concreted um kind of runway for them to get from their car to the mountain area you know it, it nothing is even on the yard it's higgledy piggledy because it's an old yard that's had lots of bits added on at different points so you know from that point of view if the riders want to go on the yard they can go on the yard but be aware there are trip hazards there are kind of uneven ground so i think already that gives pe- you get a good gauge of a personality when they know all of that still want to be here straight away to me that shows me kind of where they're at with their mindset and i think that is our main thing here is we work with a mindset which obviously has improved massively through your support (laughs) and i've learned so much more um but it is the mindset because people are determined they're getting on the horse they haven't come here to watch somebody else get on the horse they've come here to get on the horse no matter what um which again shows their ability their ability to overcome what might be their disability um without kind of I don't know it, it it's just inspirational uh, from that so we have another girl that rides us, who's right who's she's producing her own movie at the moment called dark horse um she's um she's got a what well, a degenerative disease she's only 19 possibly 20 now years have gone by and she show jumps she's always wanted to you know to show jump again and she'd always been told that she couldn't jump that she wasn't allowed to go off the lead rein. so she'd started to ride again after her illness taken over and then she rang us up said well, I'm actually really capable but I just sometimes kind of like get exhausted and fall on the horse's neck so our horses nine times out of ten will stop if, if she kind of gets tired they'll stop. Jackie, she rides the jumping pony. He's a little bit nuts and he loves to go fast and she loves him going fast. So sometimes getting him to stop quickly is a little bit harder. We've been halfway through a, a, a kind of course of jumps at a show where she kind of you see her go into tired zone. And when she's in tired zone, you're like, oh god, I need him to stop now. <laughs> and he's like, Woohoo, let's go. But um but you know, he he's amazing because he does understand and her determination. And, and it's just a, for us, it's an obscene situation why you wouldn't let her ride. She's very capable. She can jump much bigger than I can. She wants to jump much bigger than I want to. She can ride tight corners. She'll kick on. She'll pull. She'll go. You know, she's a proper show jumper. She's just got an illness. So I don't get why that means she has to go on a lead rein So our kind of thing is, if a person's safe, then they ride independently. We might be near them um all of our girls and guys actually we've got a few guys now that we've trained to help us and stuff are observant and they're, they're empathetic people so they watch they watch situations and we don't let them get to a point where they go drastically wrong because like I say I can't deal with that um but but they show us every day about the ability and I mean I'm pretty disabled in a lot of ways. Like I struggle to get out of bed in the morning. I have, i got nothing physically wrong with me, but you know we all have issues. So it seems a bizarre thing that we're separated into these categories, like we're a degree of disabled and not disabled. Well, actually, are we? <laughs> there is a crossover, and the only difference is that when somebody comes a para rider, it's because they want to be competitive. Like the moment somebody takes on board para with some kind of physical ailment, that's when they're taking control, saying right now I'm ready to kick ass and I want to be competitive with this rather than just therapeutic riding, uh, which is just as valuable. I therapeutic ride still now. Like the other day, my hip was grumbling a little bit. I wasn't feeling that great. So I got on my horse and I walked it around for like 20 minutes. He thought I was nuts. It was fine, but you know, we all can benefit from therapeutic riding. We need to kind of try and forget two ends as being like polar opposites but more kind of in the middle you know everything everything interlinks
0: and I love that I absolutely thanks Jay because that's absolutely brilliant I love that point about actually for most of us riding is a type of therapy anyway isn't it I mean Mm -hmm. god I am so totally feeling at the moment the absolute loss of not being able to go and see my horse because it is such a hugely (laughs) important part of mental well-being for just so many people Um, And I'm, you know, luckily, I know enough tools and techniques and I've got enough amazing people around me to support me that when I go, it's my body, that, you know, it's okay and it's temporary and I can kind of pull myself back out when I need to. But it is therapeutic, isn't it? And I, I love the fact that you don't pigeonhole yourselves as para, RDA, disabled, whatever you want to call it. You just say, it's just riding and all we've got to do is work out what someone is willing motivated and capable of and we work with that and I think that's a, such an amazing way of looking at it I wish riders in in every sphere would look at it like that
1: it's funny isn't it because it, it makes the most perfect sense really like I don't know I find horse riding as a general um, sport quite a funny thing because we all know that I would say 90 probably 80% of horse people are control freaks You know, like, realistically, we all like to control stuff, so we want to ride these big animals (laughs) that we control, which is total illusion, really, isn't it? Um, And, yeah, you know, so us controlling people, which sounds like I'm being kind of rude about that, but I don't mean it in that way. Um, At the end of the day, we can't control anything to do with horses. It's some weird and wacky drug that gets under your skin, which you can do absolutely nothing about, that puts you in situations which at times are life-threatening and then still we're like yeah this is great don't worry he didn't mean to like put me on the floor he didn't mean to do that <laughs> you know it's like my my husband says to me about the fact that I kiss the horse more or, or that if I just done that you would punch me or you know that type of kind of things oh no no it's just because that scared him like we give our horses all these excuses to like behave like loons and trample us into the ground and stuff um yet. Yet we're all control freaks that actually can't control anything that we work with. I, I find it a mentally unstable as anything. Like a question is mentally unstable, isn't it? You know, when you put it into context. Um, that doesn't mean that I consider myself to be mentally unstable. I feel that i not headed most of the time. Um, but, you know, that the whole situation is that we're constantly putting ourselves, I don't know, at risk when we get in the car when we get on a horse when we do whatever but the difference is we also know what that buzz is when the horse kind of gives us that buzz now if you just imagine that buzz then for somebody that's in a wheelchair the whole time like we've got another girl called elena who is an incredible lady with cp she's getting married this year hopefully she's meant to get married at bristol zoo but obviously that's all a bit up in the air with the current climate um and her aim is to walk down the aisle now Elena can't walk unaided. She hasn't been able to walk unaided. Uh, when she was really tiny, the doctors basically said she was going to have to sit in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. Since then, she's, like I say, got engaged. She spent the past two years trying to walk. She wanted to go to the RDA Nationals. That was her big aim. Um, she's petrifying. She'll, If she's watching this, she'll be laughing about it as well, because she is petrifying. We'll never forget the day when she used to ride Murphy, our old cob. And we were in the indoor school at our old yard and there was one nettle in the whole of that indoor school and she came come down the center line the nettle was at the end of it and she used to have her hands bowed to the reins before we decided that was way too dangerous um and Murphy put his head down to eat the one nettle in the whole of the school and as he put his head down she just rolled down his neck off the floor and she sat on the floor. Well her mum sat next to me wetting herself laughing and thinking it's the most hilarious thing. We're obviously absolutely carefuling ourselves because Elena sat on the floor and she's attached to a horse that might then suddenly spook and run away and it was petrifying. She, if we say this story, she wets herself laughing every time because she thought it's hilarious. You know but she gets on and rides and We went to the Nationals last year and she did a dressage to music. It was the slowest dressage to music in the world, but we had the judge at the end of it because we ended up having, I think about 10 people around the edge because the whole thing was about doing it. It wasn't about any kind of, I don't know, we weren't going to get any kind of big scores or anything. That was never the aim. It was completing the test and getting to the end of it type thing and enjoying it. So we were all around the edge and the judge was there. She was the last test of the day after three days of, judging so probably quite intense for the the judge as well and by the end of it the judge just stood up clapping as she's coming down the center line the 10 meter circles he'd done prior to that probably took him about eight minutes to complete a circle because he was looking after her that much and as the music stopped because we ran out of music coming down coming down the center line the judge stood up crying her eyes out clapping everybody's crying at the sight you know you stop and then Patrick's like oh, Okay, that's great. I've done that. And Elena's like <laughs> over the moon. And when you get that type of kind of reaction from everybody who may not have even be, know who you are or whatever, but they've got that involved, you know what you're doing is for the right reason. You know, when I get as much pride out of watching my horses being safe and reliable for our riders to kind of go and do something like that, Um, as what I do with watching my riders, like we spend as like the yard kind of lot, we spend the most of the nationals and the regionals crying. We just I don't cry much as a general, but we kind of let it all out over those four days really, (laughs) because they do amazing stuff. Like, you know, we have animals that we know, like I've just said, that are unpredictable and can be utter turds at times, to put it politely. (laughs) Yet they can go and behave in an environment, if you imagine Heartbreak International, with all the little kids having a way of a time rolling down the bank towards the arenas. Got three are, arenas operating in one go of variant disabilities doing walk trot counters, walks, whatever next to each other. You get riders that are coming off like my horse Scout, who's doing quite well with Kirby now, he had a walk-only rider on got about five years ago he was in the middle arena, somebody got nailed in the one arena, the horse came galloping across his arena, barking and leaping, whilst the other arena was like having its own kind of excitement because that one's just come galloping across and my mum's shouting across to Scout, Scout just stand still (laughs) and he stood there with our rider one in the middle going, I don't really understand what all these horses are doing, like are we meant to be just walking (laughs) and you know when you see that, that reminds you that it doesn't matter they might be rda horses for every day of their life but then suddenly they're at an environment like that where things change which is why we have a slightly different ethos with our training leading up to competitions as well which i think massive maybe edge that we have on our competition because there are i'm not saying that rda groups don't acclimatize their horses some do some do a really good job and take them up competing beforehand but some are lovely lovely people that run it you know, as a a kind of almost like a hobby or a I don't know some kind of you know volunteering kind of mingling and social event, and they have one or two schools that come, and then those people qualify to go to the regionals, and then they get to the nationals, and then suddenly little Ted that's only ever walked on the lead rain, and been in one one place in his life, then's expected to go to Heartbreak <laughs> International Arena and perform <laughs> like that like a real kind of ask on our equine partners (laughs) so i think for us that has also been a massive um important kind of part of our structure is that our horses are all totally prepared for this like my horses don't go out anywhere if they if i don't think it's right they won't go and it's really harsh sometimes that means i just can't go it's simple but if you if you were an owner and you only had one horse and it went lame, you wouldn't go to the show. Simple. It doesn't matter whether you have got a disability or not. That's just how it goes. So we try and keep that normality. I guess maybe. Maybe that's the word. I hate that word. But yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and I think that the key thing there is as well, isn't it, is that actually in our sport yes your horse is really important obviously it's massively important to you and they're also a team member aren't they so we, we keep talking yeah. about team and things but you know they are another athlete they need to be willing and able to do the job that's required of them and yeah. if for some reason they aren't willing and able to do it in whatever environment it is that they're about to go and do it in, then that team needs to be assessed is not it and i think that would be just the same as any other team of people if, if one of the members of the team wasn't capable of dealing with that environment for whatever reason. And I think, you know, you've got to, you've got to assess that, haven't you? And I think that's why I I love the fact that you do talk about the team and you really, really mean the link between the horse and the rider as a team, as well as the wider team around them. So tell us a little bit more then about the wider team and how you do work as a team with so many different people in so many different ways. And so a bit like everything
1: that's kind of going on, I guess. Like we all, we all know and watch that there's always good and bad on social media and whatever else. Um, I, I always have strong opinions. I always have them. I sometimes can appear very close-minded, but I'm actually quite open-minded when given the chance. Um, and to me, I wanted to link loads of different people together and create a stronger team. So, like we have. Um, involvement with people that do kind of um, natural horsemanship, so there's a a local lady called uh, Mel Beckman and she does, um, it's called Speak Horse and Win is what she does, it's her kind of thing, and she has come out to us and done groundwork and taught us how to then transfer that and do groundwork with our horses, so um, that's a massive thing, and it's interesting because it highlighted that actually there's a lot of um, body language of horses and stuff that maybe used to concern me because I didn't know what to do with it Whereas now, um, it kind of, with her help, it's given me confidence to just go, okay, so I've understood that's happened. Now I need to do this and we need to do that and whatever else to make it better. Then we have an amazing farrier. Um, James has been with us now pretty much since we started over um, in 2013 or whatever it was. Um, And he's fab. He worked with us, like, considering we have to go to like podiums training and stuff, we have to work with the GB. Uh, farrier and stuff and and there are expectations that we have to fulfill and james is great 100 percent. if there's any kind of issue that needs addressing or i've got questions and he'll explain to me why he's done something if i want to take the horse's shoes off for a bit he's fully supportive if he believes that it's the right thing for the horse or he understands why i think it should happen then he'll fully support and he'll help me do it you know he he doesn't have any kind of fixed uh fixed ways you know he's great he he takes feedback he responds and he he works with us part of the team got another lady called mel uh, mel betts she um has supported us since even before we had set up on our own so when we were at um the RD, rda group before She came out because my horse got its legs stuck in a rug and I thought she'd put a pelvis out, which she had. So Mel's a the chiropractor. She came out and from that point on pretty much, she supported us and she comes and treats our horses and she's an amazing friend as well as a brilliant person. She's really to the point like the rest of us. She kind of like straight in there. There's no kind of like beating around the bush. She'll say it as if. If she thinks it's too fat, she'll tell you. If she thinks the shoeing's wrong, she'll tell you you know she's great um recently i've just had a lovely lady called rachel come on board as well she's a sports massage um ther- therapist and she also does uh, horse behavior um she's another person that then has given us more exercises to help our horses like we need this team around us because our horses have to have riders on them that cannot help but be Unstraight, unbalanced, whatever, they can't help that. So we need to give them baseline. We've got an amazing guy called Aiden who comes into our teeth. He supports us massively. And again, he's great because he's a proper horse person. He used to ride for Carl, he used to do the breakers for him. So he knows what he's doing. And we just have to sedate half the horses now to have their teeth done. Like it's great. And his brother is our vet. And that's even better because they all work together. They're all talk to each other. Everyone communicates. Nobody has egos. There's nothing like. And sometimes they'll like you know like I quite like magnetic bands and magnetic boots. I can't tell you the science. There is no proper science behind it. But I can. All I can tell you is that two or three, possibly four now of our horses that have previously been lame for a very long time. With the help of the Magnetic Aids and our outer outer team, they are now sound. So for me, you know, it, it works. And, and I think what's lovely, like I say, is I can say that and I go, well, okay. But, you know, there's no kind of judgment involved. And I really wanted it to be that we could show that just because we do RGA or para or we're also a riding school so we do mainstream riding school as well whatever it is I compete in dressage you know what whatever we're doing we can work with all professionals from different things my horse gets ridden by an eventer my horse is bred to be a dressage horse he is a dressage horse we're trying to jump at the moment well Richard's trying to jump him for me Well, not trying. he's doing (laughs) but you know he's not the most talented show jumper, but we want him to be fresh and have a good mind which is why I employ an inventor to ride him not a dresser rider because I want him to enjoy his job and to be mentally stable um so everything about our horses is to do with their physical and mental well-being and I'm quite passionate about a lot of things um <laughs> but mental health within kind of horses is a massive thing um they're kind of i have to be diplomatic because it could sound like i'm being whatever but we have a lot of people here that suffer from mental health issues um and they come and they're part of our, our team you know we, we everyone's been there at some point um however i have a real issue with how using horses um as kind of mental health tools um because what I see is the backlash of horses that have been used for that and how long it takes me to straighten them out because they're brain's fried is my kind of argument is is it fair for us to put all of our mental health issues on a horse like and like especially ones that use for purely therapy use you know, they've got not just one person, they've got as many people that come in one day, then times that in the week, you know, at what point do they get a break to, um, who, who do they go and cancel? You know, have counsel them, you know, they, they just, you know, I have seen the difference on several occasions, if not more than that, where if you don't refresh the horse and give them something in between, they will get into a massive, massive rut. And I don't think it's fair for them to carry that baggage. And I don't think we're right as human beings to decide that they can do that and then make money out of it, Um, (laughs) really. Um, So that's kind of like my thing. And So we do lots of things with our horses that if they've had a bit of a rough time um, because somebody is in a bad place, which they're allowed to be, they can still come and ride and it turns them around. It makes them feel better. But my job at the end of that is to make sure that my horse is then mentally happy and stable. So we will then go for I don't know. They'll go for a hack. They'll go for a canter. They'll go for a jump. They'll have really easy lessons for the rest of that week, or totally different lessons. I will not have that same person riding the same horse over and over again because, again, not fair. And I have some horses that cannot deal with people with mental health issues. Uh, we have, we see the main thing that happens is head shaking. There's a lot of head shaking that is involved and from horses that don't normally head shake. When there's a lot of pressure um, from somebody that's suffering majorly from anxiety, the horse will start head shaking. And I have to then change what we're doing. And we use a different horse or we use a different technique. Uh, we try and improve that person's mental well being before they get on the horse. Like sometimes mental health isn't purely made by the horse or improved by the horse. It could be that they've actually just talked to someone. Like we do a lot of counselling here and we're happy to do that because I'd much prefer to get it all out of the way before they get on the horse and then have a lovely ride and the whole experience has been great than having to have a ride where they're feeling really crappy and it's transferred onto the horse or it just doesn't give them a good experience. So we invite people to come and stay here for longer. They can come early. We'll make time for them. There's enough of us here to sit down and talk and you can tell if somebody's in a bad place when they get out of the car it's our job to sort that as well which again didn't really anticipate that setting up a riding school Uh, (laughs) but it's important for everybody that's involved so that's where our team kind of extends we also have people that are part of our team that volunteer that either have experience from themselves or family members or work placements or whatever where they have experiencing counselling or 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 just being a friend someone to talk to you know and and they can then transfer their skills into our environment and they gain off having I don't know an amazing feeling that they've helped somebody still I think that's the main thing is that everybody comes to ride a horse with us to have a good experience and to have honesty like I'm pretty honest with you my riders for good and for bad and
0: so yeah so tell us then and I love the fact that actually you consider the mental health of the horse as well I think that's sometimes overlooked um inadvertently sometimes I wouldn't say it's necessarily deliberate I think people just don't get it sometimes um, and I love the fact that you support the horses, and you are at least aware of that, like, you know, we, at least if we're aware of something, it doesn't mean that the issue is not there, but we are then supporting the horse in whatever they need afterwards to be able to do the job they've got to do, just like humans, isn't yes. it? It's not a case of you never have to do a job, because you do, it's more like, how do you support yourself, how do you become resilient, how do you have a great mindset to overcome those challenges, and it's the same yes. with our, those, the horses, so let, let's talk a little bit then about how you deal with the mental aspect of you know what you do and the journey it maybe even you've been on around that kind of stuff and and how you kind of deal with the human element of it and deal with you know what I mean support <laughs> <laughs> nurture <laughs> um it's
1: funny really isn't it because like I've kind of said I'm not um I'm not really good with like physical contact. I don't like hug that much. Uh, I'm getting better at that because um my daughter goes to a really huggy school um, where the parents are really huggy and lovely. So um, that is helping me a little bit there. Um, but neither me or mum are like that. Um, and people, if you were, like I've been living really quite happily with my five other people for the past three, almost four weeks now with no real issue with that. Um, so I, I can be very happy in my own environment. But I do like people as well. I like socialising. I'm a big party person. I love partying. Um, And so my kind of personality traits, sometimes I'm like full to the brim. Like we can have weeks where maybe because of the weather or just life issues and stuff, almost every person that walks through our door is having a bad time. Or we've had a bad time, lost a member of the team, or, you know, whatever it is. Then I struggle a little bit more um, because obviously my cups are already pretty full and then taking on more. So I have to take myself away then. And that's when we have the other team members because they then step forward and I will refresh, be angry. I shout a lot. I'm a big shower. Um, Normally if I've had a shout, I'm normally better. And then I can kind of move on a little bit from it. um. So I have to make sure that I'm in the right place. And sometimes I'll just go, do you know what, I can't, I can't do this today. I'm really sorry, but I can't. And that's what I've um, learned in the past kind of two years of working with yourself is knowing when the when cup's full rather than just going around really aggy for like two weeks and taking it out on everybody else around me. Um, now I snap at somebody and then I'm over it and then I've moved on. and then everyone knows that it wasn't personal um, or very rarely is it personal. <laughs> and then we're okay um I think that it's really important to make sure that you have that time that that space to be able to help our clients because part of what they pay for or the extra bit of having that personal kind of experience is that we are there for them um and you know I think we all have mental health issues through one shape form or description Um, And we all need to learn how to support them or how we can get others to support you through it or whatever. Um, So I, obviously, when I came across you, was because I'm scared (laughs) Um, and I'm anxious. And I've got all these amazing words that are so passionate and I can keep telling words because I'm a wimp or whatever else. Do you know what I never... I, I've never considered myself to be anything other than a bit of a wimp, like, but I've always gotten stuff. I've always ridden. I've jumped to 120s. I've done pony club eventing. I've dressaged. I've represented my country on, like, three occasions. I've done loads of stuff with my life, Um, even as a scared person. <laughs> and, like, I will still call myself a scared person. But also what I've changed is that I can be scared in a situation rather than I'm... nervous person or whatever else so I've changed my language now in the past kind of two years and with the opportunities that have been given to me it has shown me ways in which language affects my life so like with my daughter she's petrified she got nailed good and proper the other week by a pony that I've spent four years nurturing it used to bolt and it's not done any of and it's been really, really good and we got to the point where everybody was starting to trust him a bit. And then the other day in the school on the lead brain with somebody else she was working with a friend and he bolted with her and he bolted like nasty and he nailed her really nasty lately Now the difference in parenting with all of us, I think everything's bespoke, isn't it? Like you do it your own way. like there's no rule in parenting. I am not going to, I don't care what anyone tells me, going to tell my daughter, who's lay on the floor, petrified to get back up and get on that pony. That's not what I'm going to do. That's what used to, how I was brought up, how we were all brought up, really, because that was the, uh, the old school way. But I'm never going to do that. That is not my style of parenting. So she didn't have to get on it. I got on it, which was really good. It made me brave. <laughs> but I got on the bolter, and I got bothered with and told it off, and then we were all happy and whatever else. So now he's gone to just be a field companion. He's gone to my friends because... He crossed a line which he hadn't crossed for many years and I personally haven't got the mind that could sell him to somebody else. Because one, he doesn't serve some pass from pillar to post because I still like the pony. I used to love the pony. <laughs> but you know, it you know, he's still a, a, a thinking being and for whatever reason that day he had to vote and I can't sell a horse knowing that it has the ability to do that so he's gone to a friend and he's a lawnmower now and it's fine he's a section a he could be a lawnmower he's very useful at that and he enjoys that he, he hasn't lost out by by doing that um so you know for me i haven't forced her when she said she never wanted to ride again that's fine don't ride again that's not that's not a big issue since homeschooling has been introduced obviously we have to do horses like That is part of it, unfortunately. You can't escape horses when your mother runs the yard. Um, And your grandmother. And everybody around. (laughs) So um, she started to help us. And her little pony, who's very safe, he's very slow. She has fallen off him, but not in the same way. And has got straight back on him, because it was different. Um, She started to lead him around. She's been doing his rug. She learned to lunge him the other day. Um, She's been much more involved and wanting to be involved and to do all things that she's never had any interest in before and then she led one of our rga horses in the other day it's got big feet and he's a slow miserable getty as he's always got his ears back he's right right miserable hates adults doesn't mind children. He can deal with children, but doesn't really like people that much. Doesn't like other horses at all. He'll live in a herd, but he just likes to pull faces and kick them and stuff. Um, he's a real kind of victim Meldrew of the world, you know. <laughs> and he came in and Faith said the day afterwards, she said, can I ride Chunk? And yes was the answer, because she asked for that. And she got on. She had a panic attack when she got on. But I know Chunky ain't going to move nowhere. So she can sit on him and have a panic attack. She can do whatever. We can use diversion techniques. We can, we can look at different things. And we went on a nature walk, sat on a pony. And before you know it, walking down the driveway. And so by kind of my own experiences of being petrified, and I can still get on and be absolutely petrified, I have the most amazingly talented horse. He is insanely talented. He's 18 hands, which is way bigger than I ever wanted. Um, he's the most loving, kind person, but he is still a youngster. And sometimes I feel really safe on him and other times he scares crap out of me. Um, and when he scares crap out of me, I just want to get off. Um, I don't always get off. I used to every time I get off. <laughs> um, but I can now kind of talk myself through. And also the people around me start to know distraction techniques. It's only when I'm sat on him and I don't know, really, he's not feeling like it. I want to be sat on him right now, that I get off him. The rest of the time, I can ride him the school sometimes. You know, mental well-being, again, comes back into it. And I know where he's at mentally and I know where I'm at and I can't combine the two always. Sometimes it just doesn't work. It doesn't matter what day it is, if I'm not in the right place or if I've been taking everybody's baggage on, then sometimes that sends me over the edge. And I have to now be respectful of that that actually my business isn't about me my business is about the business <laughs> and everybody else around us and sometimes that has to be that my hopes and ambitions go on the back burner um but that's fine i i i'm not overworking him he's probably going to hit grand prix at 20 it's fine i can live with that i'll be like i don't know kind of like almost 40 then maybe over 40 then <laughs> it's fine you know people just start riding Teller in their 50s it's not an issue and that has been the biggest thing in this past two years. I've taken time frames away and I'm much happier for it and I'm surrounded by people that time frames, who cares? And I think that's another trait to the people that come here is people have to be aware of time and enjoy time. If they want something done tomorrow, we ain't the right place for you. We never will be because that's not how we work. It might happen tomorrow. I'm not saying that if they're ready and everything falls into place that it won't happen tomorrow, But I'm not ever going to put pressure on because somebody's told me I have to. Um,
0: I'm not very good with being told stuff. Um, <laughs> so that brings me nicely onto um, my question about, you, you've, like you say, over the last few years of working together, you've had a real shift change in your sort of identity of who you are and what you're about, haven't you? And that has really made a difference to the way that you have been happy about situations choices decisions goals and things like that so tell us just a little bit about obviously when you came to me yeah you were you were scared and frightened of riding a bits and that's how we were we started working together but actually that that's just so irrelevant now isn't it like there's a completely different mindset now from you as to what what it's yeah. all about
1: i think um the big change has been um by seeing the bigger picture and understanding like like i say by by that I suppose it started off with the teamwork and I thought that, I thought that I in teamwork was me. Um, (laughs) And and I think that when we first started out, I thought that everything had to be based on my my sales pitch, that the business was on my, my sales pitch, what I've achieved and what I need to do and because I'm too much of a wimp and I can't ride my horse at Grand Prix uh, I'm not going to get any business and I'm not professional because of that and whatever else um what I've realized actually with a lot with the support of yourself and with Clive massively he's been a huge huge costume effect on my life um is that actually I'm pretty good at what I do um and I think that's been a bit of a wake-up call for me, is that actually I, I kind of know what I'm talking about. And my gut feeling, as we discussed the other day, isn't actually just my gut feeling. It's my internal risk assessments and um, the fact that I'm compiling my knowledge to make a decision, and whether that's on a horse's lane or whether it's something that can be fixed, not fixed, how we're going to fix it, what my, what my structure or my kind of process is. Um, I found my identity much more. I am a paragroom, an international paragroom. I can plait to a high standards and turn my horses out very well. I can't plait tail. Hands up. Can't do that. Really crack at that. So if somebody wants to employ me and wants tail plaited, might be a deal breaker. But I'm okay with that. I can live with that. I'm happy to go somewhere and somebody goes, you know what, I don't know what you do. I'll walk away from it. Um, I only work with people that want me to work for them. I don't need to sell myself. You either... Buy into what we do and who we are, and who I am. Um, and if you don't, that's fine. Like I, you know, I don't, I don't have any aspiration to change myself and be making everyone happy. And I tried that for like that was my biggest problem: is trying to make everybody happy all the time and making everyone miserable in the process, always being miserable myself. Whereas this kind of past year and a half. I've got people that want to be with us. And if you want to be with us, then we can't be that bad people. And what we're doing can't be that bad a job, actually. And then when you put, yeah, we don't always get results. You go to a show. Not everybody wins. That's fine. That's, that's to me, tr- like a lot of people, you know, a competition is just another training gauge. It's working out what you need to improve on. It's somebody's opinion. And you are, sometimes you respect that opinion. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you walk away and go, I don't like them anyway. It's not about that. You go to a show, or I go to a show, either as a rider or or, uh, a groom, to support somebody to see how they're going and how they are in a different environment. I get to groom for the most amazing lady. Uh, Lucinda is incredible. And what I really like about what I do is I groom for an Irish rider. I have a GB squad member based on my yard, who I also groom for. I really like the fact that I sometimes train for two people in the same grade. Like, I don't have any kind. Of, I help Sophie, so she's a grade one rider. Obviously, everyone knows Sophie. I Don't know why I have to explain myself, <laughs> but she's a grade one rider, and I'll be friendly horse with my grade five horse, and I'll go and stand in the arena with her. And I'll do that for anybody. Like, if I have the time, I will always help people out. We're at the winters couple of weeks back well months now and I was meant to go out with my rider on um, with my horse and through a whole sorry my dog is now snoring um <laughs> pickle Shh. um so now with all of my um preparation and stuff unfortunately a couple of horses got into the uh, far uh, the gamekeeper's brain got really ill we lost one of them to acute laminitis, and um my horse was one of them who was poorly for a couple of days. So we decided to take the pressure off completely. Kirby said, I don't want to go to the winters with him. unprepared. It's not found him or me. So we all decided that was the end of it. But I'd kind of told the family that we were going on a fun family holiday to the winters. So we we're still going to go. I booked my hotel room. We had the flooding leading up. We couldn't get out of the end of the drive for the first two or three days. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to have to go now. And am I being stupid, pushing to do it? Um, and then, literally, uh, during that time, Clive rang me and said there was a lady that was going up. She hadn't got anyone to groom for. If I didn't help her, she couldn't go, basically. So I went up there and met her, which was petrifying because I hate meeting new people, new environments scare the crap out of me. And I spent I don't know how long shit myself about it all. <laughs> got up there. She was lovely. Uh, our horse was really lovely. And um, Whilst I was there, she's a grade two rider. So I groomed for her. Then I also groomed for, well, platted up for grade four rider. Um, and it, I just like the fact that I'm not stuck to one person. I'm never gonna be that. Like, I'm never that person that you're going to just put in a box. and I'm going to be, oh, well, I don't like that person because they're doing that or they're at my competition. That's not me. Um, and that will never be me. At the end of the day, somebody needs my help. Poor man. There was a poor man up there who had a man that had had a groom the past two days I think before and then for some reason this chap couldn't come and help him and he had Parkinson's and um one of his plaits had come out and he literally spent like the past hour trying to get this band on this plat and I was walking by he's like could you just put this plat band on for me like I've been trying for ages and I can't get it on now, I can plait with thread beautifully, but I cannot plait with bands. so I was like, oh, my God, I can't do this, but I put it on for him, and he was really pleased with it. I thought it looked terrible, but he was really pleased that at least he had bands band in. and I I want my identity to be that I will people. Um, don't get me wrong, if you kind of tread on my toes and are nasty to me, then I'm not very good at getting over that, but I'm a Taurus. it's kind of in my, like, whatever. <laughs> but I will always go out my way to help somebody it doesn't matter what their background who they work for who whatever like I just think that we have to be kind to each other and I see no reason not to be honest like if I have something negative to say I don't say it to that person because I don't want to upset them but if they wanted to hear what I had to say then I would still tell them because that's my opinion and it's only my opinion like my opinion is never meant to hurt people or upset people. It's because sometimes I can be a bit autistic in my tendencies and just blurt something out and then go, "Oh God, sorry, I, I've upset them." Are you, looking, are you looking at you look at your facial expression. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, because I don't like to upset people, but I do like to be honest with people. And I will also go, "Oh, look, I was really honest and I said that to you, but actually, in hindsight, I've just seen what you've done and I've come out the other side and I can see, understand why you've done that now." And so. I've re-evaluated my opinion so yeah that's by it really
0: <laughs> cool no and I think that's great you know when you get a real sense of who you are and you're very strong and to your own values and, and you you really kind of stay true to that it doesn't mean that you're a people pleaser like you don't have to go around hoping everybody likes you um because there are just some people that aren't going. gonna, no matter how much you try there are just some people that are not going to like you and that's fine As long as you're not like a complete bitch and like deliberately horrible to anyone like it just is it is what it is and that's okay you know like if everyone liked each other the world would be a really boring place I mean it's not to say we need to be nasty to each other by any means but like we all get we've all got different friends we we all like different people different things we're all really varied and I think that's that's the joy of it isn't it that when you are you know I mean I get people coming to me and say I really like you because you're straight talking um but I still sense that you really care and it's like mm, yep yep that's true you know I'm not going to yes. say what what you want to hear what's the point in that like if you're going to come to me then I'm going to say what I think and it's the same with you isn't it you're an expert in what you do like someone comes to you and asks for your advice you're going to give it to them because they've asked for it you know um it may not be what they want to hear but sometimes people don't want to hear it do they because like that's the reason why they're not progressing or what have you and they've got to face that sometimes anyway just really quickly to finish up literally like three minutes what would be your advice for someone if um because you get this all the time don't you You get people that say oh, i've got a problem with my leg problem with my hands i've got arthritis i've got issues with this that and the other i've got an issue um but i'm not a para rider um i'm not an rda rider but actually they want to be able to go and do things compete and they find it very difficult sometimes in a level playing field against able riders if we want to call it that way what would you give your advice what would it be if someone was interested in getting involved somehow and and, and actually being competitive with things that might hold them back a little bit
1: um, i think the bottom line is is that um if you're doing something where you're being physically limited then you've got to at least explore the potential of whether or not that makes you a power rider now, just because you're a para rider doesn't actually mean that you necessarily would be any better. Like, it, you, it, it might not change things massively. It might be that it's actually more competitive. Like, like para is brutal. Like, <laughs> it's really competitive. So, you know, you're putting yourself into um, a bit more of a minority than obviously you would mainstream dressage like with BD and stuff. But, but, but with para, everybody that's there is really, really committed and determined. So if you want to be a para rider... Then you've got to be mentally committed to that fact that I am now a power rider and that's your identity. You obviously need to go down the route of your gradings and everything else to make sure that the, the graders believe that you are a power rider because you know they have a structure that they have to adhere to. And if you don't fit into that, then that's just simple. But my bottom line would be that you have to explore it, don't just decide like that because it's para, you can't do it. I think, like I say, they're really competitive people and really committed people that are doing a really tough job. And there's a lot of money that has to be going into the sport, the same as any other kind of high-level sport. Um, there There are schemes that you can be involved in, but you have to prove yourself first. And most people start with RDA. And with the RDA groups, you need to find the right one for you you know that's really important Um, and a lot of RDA groups do now do one-to-one sessions so there's no point just kind of thinking you can't just explore it I mean ask questions if you ever want to talk to anybody about it you want to speak to people like South Buck's RDA like I I can't even remember how many Olympic Paralympic rides have come out of that place but if you want to get a bit of knowledge behind it Either South Bucks or getting in touch with Clive is like a really good starting point. Um, but yeah, or else you could ask us. We know a little bit.
0: <laughs> Which was my next question. So if people are interested in it um, and they want to find out more, how do they perhaps get in touch with you or ask a question? Or you can signpost into another place. How, wh- how? What's the best way? Have you got a Facebook page, website, email, Instagram? I think the
1: best, yeah, the, the, be, the best way to contact me is normally on Facebook because, as my husband says, I'm always on it. So I think your best kind of route, usually, if you contact us on either Brightwell Achieve or Redbrook Farm Hereford as our Facebook, or find me and uh, Mel, you know, kind of send me a message directly. And those are a really good kind of base point, and then we can then signpost you either onto different RDAs that are local to you, or if you want a little like jaunt out and you want to come and see our place, then you can come and see us, like it's all just about meeting people like in any environment you just need to go meet people and talk to them and find their experiences and in the summer there's normally a whole bunch of people sat out here just drinking tea or whatever having a natter so if people want to just come and chat then everyone's welcome.
0: It's all amazing so at the moment but <laughs> no no not at the moment no as much as I would love to come up to Hereford right now and drink tea and have a chat with you and look at okay, the little yeah. baby lambs and your pigs and all the other things that you have up there it's amazing um, as soon as I can you I'll be trailing the, the the trailer up there and you won't be able to get rid of me so <laughs> but yeah so amazing thank you so much Joe. it's been really really interesting hearing your thoughts on ability um, your thoughts on mental health um, for the horses and the riders um, you know your concept of team and everything else the amazing work that you do in the beautiful place in Hereford as well you're so blessed um, we haven't been up there for a very long time and I feel it's very much overdue in fact going anywhere is very much overdue so I think I'll be living out of my car once lockdown's over just traveling all over the country seeing people I haven't seen for a long time but thank you so so much Joe. is there anything you. you wanted to add or are you all good
1: no, no, I think that I think that's pretty much me in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> Amazing, thank you so much. And um, if, yeah, if anyone's got any questions for Joe, you can get in touch. So thank you very much, Joe. See ya. Bye. You, bye. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google, and on Podbean. Hack your mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us, and we look forward to you listening into our next one. Bye, everyone.
1: You got this, you know you're gonna rock this. You got this, you gotta unlock it.